have MC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. What a week it has been. 
Lots and lots of things going on here. We have a revitalization of the Now You Know show. This is tonight our 59th episode, and we've been doing this for more than a year now because we've had a lot of irregular episodes as well. We've had a Christmas special, Halloween special, uh, New Year's Eve specials, and a few rebroadcasts along the way. And so now, after more than a year of being on the air, this week we have busily redone some things in the Now You Know show, and I hope you stay with us through the rest of the show to hear all the new things that are coming up. Before we get any further along, I would like to give a shout out to Daniel Smith in Forestville, California, the ET and WNC rolls again. So good on it and good on him for all of his excellent work in the repair of the railroad. Also, we are continuing to gear up for this year's 2016 Hoodoo Heritage Festival. That's right, folks. The Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Go out and check it out. Hoodoo Heritage Festival 2016. You can find it out there on the web. And let me tell you, this is going to be a fantastic gathering. There are only 57 days remaining. Oh, yes, that's right. Less than two months now. Only 57 days remaining until the 2016 Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Get your tickets now. You won't be sad that you did. Let me just take a moment to tell you that this year will be the ninth consecutive year that the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church will be sponsoring the two, their annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival in beautiful Forestville, California. And they are going to be fantastic presenters and speakers and teachers there. Our own Catherine Ironwood, Deacon Millette, Candelo Cambisa from Candelo's Corner, Papa Michael. Oh, the list goes on and on and on and on. David Shi, a fantastic speaker and worker, is going to be talking about North Asian magic. He's going to be out there. Cast Excelsior from Air. Madam Pamita, also from Air, is going to be there. And she's also going to be not only teaching, but also providing a fantastic and delightful uh, lunchtime entertainment for us all. Uh, there's going to be a panel discussion on spells from social, for social justice and community activism with Beverly Smith from the LMC Radio Network in the streets, Miss McHale, Papa Lou, Angela Marie Horner, Jamila Jones. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Andrea Weston from Liquid Libations here on the LMC Radio Network is going to be there. The fantastic Michelle Jackson is going to be there. Miss Robin, one of the best workers in the business. Reverend John St. Germain. Oh, yes, 
Reverend John St. Germain from the Crystal Silence League is going to be there, all teaching, all talking, all presenting. And then there are also going to be numerous readers. Oh, yes, many, many readers available in the reader tent. There's going to be on-site massage with licensed therapeutic massage uh, workers there. It's going to be fantastic. There's going to be all sorts of goodies given away, multiple new books. Oh, yes, free new books to everyone who comes to the festival from our own Catherine Ironwood, David She, the Reverend John St. Germain, and what's his name? Professor, uh, who's he, what's it? Me. So please take some time, go over. Check it out. Buy your tickets now and come on out and see us. You'll be glad you did, and we'll be so happy to see you there. Well, today, as you may know, is St. Patrick's Day. Not really a big uh, thing on my calendar, but it is for a lot of people. And today we are very lucky because over in the LMC Radio Newsroom, Waiting to read the news is the one, the only, all the way from Tupelo. That's right. I'm talking about Mississippi. Tom Shillelagh will be with us tonight reading the news. So let's go on over to the new newsroom. We've redone the newsroom. It's fantastic. We've got all this new equipment in there, new computers. It looks like it's, it's, fan, it's amazing over there. It looks like NASA over there. And so let's go over to the LMC Radio Newsroom, and our own Mississippi Tom Shillelagh. Ah, hello there. This is Mississippi Tom Shillelagh reading the news this evening. Today is uh, Thursday, March 17th, the 77th day of 2016, and there are three days left until spring begins and 289 days left in the year. And as uh, the good professor just said, today is St. Patrick's Day. So a uh, very happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. Tomorrow, oh, 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 tomorrow is an auspicious day to cut fairwood, mow to increase growth, dig holes, paint, get married. Oh, you hear that, lasses? It's a good day to get married. Entertain friends, and what could be nicer than that? Host a party, an excellent way to entertain them, friends. Travel for pleasure or kill plant pests. The 15th through the 17th are excellent for sowing seed beds and flower gardens. Best planting days for above-ground crops, especially peas, cucumbers and squash, where climate permits. Tomorrow on Saturday will be poor days for fishing. So just sit there by the edge of the water. Just sit there and have a, a wee a wee dram there. Today's highlight in history comes to us from this date in 1966 when a U.S. Navy midget submarine located a missing hydrogen bomb which had fallen from a U.S. Air Force B-52 bomber into the Mediterranean off Spain. Oh, can you imagine? You're losing a whole hydrogen bomb. Also on this date, in 1776, the Revolutionary War Siege of Boston ended as the bloody British forces evacuated the city.
City. In 1906, President Theodore Roosevelt first likened crusading journalists to a man with, quote, the muckrake in his hand, end quote, in a speech to the Gridiron Club in Washington. In 1912, the Campfire Girls, oh, aren't they sweet? The Campfire Girls organization was incorporated in Washington, D.C. two years to the day after it was founded in Thetford, Vermont. The group is now known as Campfire USA. In 1936, Pittsburgh's great St. Patrick's Day flood began as the Monoghain and Allegheny rivers, swollen by rain and melted snow, started exceeding flood stage. The high watermark was blamed for more than 60 deaths. In 1941, the National Gallery of Art opened in Washington, D.C. Isn't that nice? And in 1956, comedian Fred Allen, 61, died in New York. In 1970, the United States cast the first veto in the U.N. Security Council. The U.S. killed a resolution that would have condemned Britain for failure to use force to overthrow the white-ruled government of Rhodesia. Isn't that just bloody well like them? Today's birthdays go out to the former national chairwoman of the NAACP, Merle Evers Williams, who is 83. Former NASA astronaut Ken Mattingly is 80. Singer-songwriter Jim Weatherly is 73. Singer-songwriter John Sebastian of the Love and Spoonful is 72. Rock musician Harold Brown of War is 70. Actor Patrick Duffy, a fine Irish lad there, 67. Actor Kurt Russell, oh, he was in that movie with the, what do you call it, the thing that turned into other things. What was the name of that? With the thing in it. I don't remember the name. He, he's 65. Actor Gary Sinise is 61. Actor Vic, actress Vicky Lewis is 56. Actor Rob Lowe is 52. Actress Natalie Z is 41. Actress Brittany Daniel, 40. And actress Eliza Hope Bennett is 24. Our thought for today comes from the old Irish saying, May your neighbours respect you, trouble neglect you, the angels protect you, and heaven accept you. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over back to the wee professor and the lucky numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Or even make me suspicious Table with 13 dishes It will make me Make you please Haven't seen Hey, that's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man Well, open it Put my trust in group for dust Cause you know someday May bring you a seven Or maybe a lucky eleven Oh, thank you, dear Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes. 
and you need not just trust in goofer dust as advised by the Nicholas Brothers, because we have the lucky numbers for you here each and every week. This week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And they are 4, 9, 26, 29, 31, and 40. Once again, this week's lucky numbers are 4, 9, 26, 29, 31, and 40. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 257. That's 257. 394. That's 394. And 431. That's 431. Well, we hope that they work out for you. And if you hit, well, remember where you get. Up next, our own from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, Miss Loretta Evans with her brand new revitalized cooking spot, Cooking with Miss Loretta. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Give with the gravy, Davy. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Try a tomato plate, too. Here's cacciatore, Dory. Taste the bologna, Tony. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Hello, folks. This is Miss Loretta Evans here with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Today... I'm going to be teaching you how to make a southern favorite and one that my family enjoys every Sunday morning. I'm talking about southern buttermilk biscuits and gravy. First, I'm going to tell you how to make your buttermilk biscuits. This recipe makes eight large biscuits. For this, you will need the following. Two cups of all-purpose flour, three teaspoons aluminum-free baking powder, one teaspoon of salt, one-fourth a teaspoon of baking soda, one stick frozen butter sliced thin, or you can even grate it once it's frozen, and three-fourths of a cup ice-cold buttermilk. The best style of buttermilk to use for this is churn style. You may also want to set aside a little extra buttermilk for brushing the tops of your biscuits. To make these biscuits, first preheat your oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit and line a baking sheet with parchment paper. Whisk flour, baking powder, 
salt and your baking soda together in a large bowl until the dry ingredients are well distributed. Then cut the butter into the flour mixture with a pastry blender or two knives until the mixture resembles coarse crumbs. Add the buttermilk and stir until the dry ingredients are moistened. Turn the dough onto a floured work surface. Gather the dough together with your hands into a rough rectangle. Fold the rectangle in thirds like a business letter. Turn it 90 degrees, gather any crumbs, and pat down into another rectangle. Fold twice more and pat down in between. This helps form the extra flaky layers. Roll the dough on a floured surface to about 5 eighths of an inch thick and cut the biscuits into 3 inch rounds. Try to cut them close together because any biscuits you make from the gathered dough scraps won't rise as high. Transfer your biscuits to the parchment lined baking sheet. Make a slight indent in the top of each biscuit with your thumb and brush the tops of the biscuits with the additional buttermilk. And then bake in your preheated oven until golden brown, normally between 12 and 15 minutes. Now, while those are cooking, you can start your gravy. And here's your recipe for sausage gravy. For this, you will need three tablespoons of butter, one pound tube of breakfast sausage, hot or mild to your preference. My family likes hot. One-third a cup all-purpose flour, one-half a teaspoon salt, plus any more that you might need to taste, two teaspoons of freshly cracked black pepper, one-eighth of a teaspoon of cayenne pepper. Now, that's optional, but a lot of people do like it a whole lot. And then three-and-a-half to four cups whole milk that you've warmed very, very slightly in the microwave. You don't want to scald it. To make this, you heat the butter in a Dutch oven or large heavy bottom saucepan over medium-high heat until it starts to foam. Then add the sausage and brown, breaking it up with a wooden spatula or spoon as it cooks until the meat is starting to brown. This takes about five minutes. Reduce the heat to medium, sprinkle the flour over your sausage, and mix it well to coat the crumbled sausage meat. Season with salt, pepper, and cayenne to taste. Cook for another minute or two, stirring often. Gradually stir in your warm milk, scraping up any brown bits, and bring to a simmer, stirring occasionally until if the gravy's too thick, it's easy to fix. Just thin it out with a little more milk. Taste the gravy and season with additional salt and pepper as needed. Once that's done and bubbling away, take your nice hot buttermilk biscuits out of the oven, split them down the middle, put them on a plate, and cover them with gravy and serve. Well, there it is, folks, southern style. 
buttermilk biscuits and gravy, and I hope your family enjoys it as much as mine does. And now, back to the professor and this week's pontification. Oh, well, thank you, Miss Loretta. That That's actually a, a favorite uh, in this house as well. We have it quite often. Someone in the chat room asked if they missed the card of the week. You did not miss it. We've retired the card of the week. We might bring it back if folks want it back. So if you do, write in, send us an email and tell us, we want the card of the week back. Bring it back. And, and, and we'll bring it back. But like I said, we've been making big changes here at the Now You Know Show. Up next, the professor's pontification. This week, the importance of doing something else.
Oh, yes. That's, oh, that's a wonderful song. I love that song. And in our Name It and Claim It, first Name It and Claim It of the night, we have a shared cookie. Our cookie goes out to Christy X. He and Cargo Hook, who between the two of them got the artist and the song. That was, in fact, the late, great Isaac Hayes with Do Your Thing. And it leads us into this week's Professor's Pontification. Tonight's Professor Pontification is on the topic of You've Got to Do Something Else. Tonight's pontification is the beginning of our fourth series of pontifications. And we're going to start out our fourth series of pontifications talking about a rather overlooked little subject. And that is, simply put this. If you are a spiritual worker, if you are a hoodoo worker, conjure doctor, or anything else, I I really don't care what else. You could be involved in paganism, neo-paganism. You could be involved in one of the ATRs, DTRs. You could be involved in... Uh, Vedic medicine, I, I, I don't care what you're involved in. You have got to do something else. You have got to have time off. Any person who works in any field, whether they love it or not, whether it's fulfilling or not, whether it fulfills them mentally spiritually, physically, financially, needs to have other interests in their life. When we come into this spiritual work and we first start off, it's very easy to imagine a new life, that we're going to be doing this 24-7. This is going to be our life. This is what we're going to do. And everything's going to be, in the example of hoodoo, everything's going to be hoodoo. Everything's going to be about hoodoo. Everything's going to relate to hoodoo. You're going to walk, talk, sleep, eat, and shit hoodoo. And that's what you're going to do. And that is not necessarily a bad pursuit for the individual who is trying to get the ground under their feet who's trying to earn their stripes, to reach their stride, to get in there and familiarize themselves with their spiritual practice, whatever their spiritual practice is. However, there comes a time when you must have something else. You simply cannot do this sort of work from the time you wake up till the time you go to sleep, each and every day of your life, seven days a week, four weeks a month, 12 months a year, 365 days in that year, you will burn yourself out and you will find 
that you become strange and odd and a little weird because you have no life outside of this practice, whatever this spiritual or magical practice is that you do. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying you shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying you shouldn't study hard. I'm not saying you shouldn't work diligently, ethically, that you shouldn't be concerned with your craft, with the quality of your knowledge, with the quality of what is made by your hands, with the quality of what comes out of your brain, your heart, your soul, and your mouth. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you got to take some time for some other things. And I'm not talking about a two-week vacation once a year. You know, well, me and Mabel, we pack all the kids in the RV there, and uh, we go there, and uh, we go see bears. The whole family, we really like bears, and uh, we kind of have a little, we're part of a bear spotting organization. And what we do is we have these binoculars, and we uh, look through them, you see, at bears, and then we note down in the book, we keep a little book, uh, you know, the size and shape and uh, weight, the approximate weight. We don't actually weigh them uh, of the bear, and then we compare that with other bear watchers. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some, you know, getaway. I'm saying you have to have other things in your life. You have to continue to have friends, associates, and colleagues that you talk to about other things, anything that's not just a magical or spiritual practice. In other words, you need to have friends. And you need to be able to talk to your friends about the everyday, ordinary stuff that everybody talks about. Politics, sports, the weather, how you're doing, how they're doing, how your family is, how their family is, fun things you've done, movies you've seen, books you enjoy, music that you both like, you have to go places. You have to be in the world. In whatever extent that you want to be in the world that gives you some joy and some happiness. And again, this is not to suggest that secretly the magical and spiritual practice you're doing is unfulfilling to you. And it can be Absolutely fulfilling. But fulfillment ain't all that. Listen, there are certain meals that I enjoy. I mean, I really like them. You know? I'll, I'll never turn them down. If you put them in front of me, man, you bring me dim sum, I'll eat dim sum. Okay? I love it. And I never walk away from the table feeling, you know, unfulfilled. I, I have this glorious meal. It's so delightful, so wonderful. But I simply could not eat dim sum for every meal, every day, for the rest of my life. Okay, that's a lie. I totally could, but I shouldn't. I should eat other things as well. And you should do other things. You should have a hobby. You should have uh, an art, you know, whatever that is. I'm not talking about big stuff. You don't have to, you know, like have a big block of Venetian marble out in your backyard that you're out there you know, banging away with the hammer and chisel. It can be anything. Enjoying cooking a meal for you, yourself, for your family, for your friends. Model railroading. 
there there are more than a few hoodoo workers involved in model railroading. Okay? And again, I'm not talking about an art form or a hobby that re-relates back to your practice. I'm not talking about, oh, you love to paint and to draw and to illustrate, and so you paint and you draw and you illustrate. All of your labels for all of your products that you make. No, because now you're still doing the same work. I'm talking about taking some time to make art for yourself, okay? I'm talking about just enjoying yourself, just having a little downtime. Now, it is absolutely true that if you enjoy what you do in life, you do not feel as much of a need for that kind of relaxation. See, we have a very messed up society. We have this screwed up society in which you're supposed to go to this job that you really don't enjoy, that you really don't relate to, that's not fulfilling to you in any sense, to earn money so that you can have money to pay the bills, etc. And it's never quite enough money, so you got to go back the next day and do it again and again and again and again. And then we're all just working for the weekend. Then you get these two days off or this one day off in which you get to relax and be yourself. And if you have a fucked up schedule to actually sleep instead of being dragged ass tired all the time and to do little things for yourself, which inevitably becomes buying groceries, cleaning the house, washing your clothes, etc. So you can get up and do the same rat race all over again. And so many of us in this society hate what we do and see the weekend, the vacation, the time off, the chance to be away from the job as a kind of mm, privilege or gift or special little thing, our time, my time, me time. And that's not really what I'm talking about here. If you have that kind of attitude about being involved in a magical practice that you're doing as a living or a spiritual practice that you're doing as a living, you need to get out of it. I mean, you need to get right out of it right now today because that's not supposed to be the way that is. A magical and spiritual practice is supposed to be something fulfilling to you already at some element and to some degree, because you're involved in helping others, and you're involved in working with others. And so you really don't want to end up like that. That's like, you know, all these doctors that hate being doctors, and then do you really want them working on you? And you can tell, you know, you're in the office with them, or they're doing whatever, and you can just tell they hate the play. They these damn patients. Except that's you, man. You're that damn patient, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I want to get out of here. I want to find a different doctor. So I'm not suggesting here that we reduce our magical and spiritual practices and work and businesses to that same crazy-ass white Protestant work ethic rat race noose around the neck trap where it's just a job I do and I don't give a shit about it and then in two weeks we're going to go bear spotting up in you know Wyoming. That's not what I'm saying at all. 
What I'm saying is even when you're doing something fulfilling to you in a magical or spiritual practice and business, you still need something else. It cannot be the sum total of your life, nor should it be. You need to get out. You need to have friends. You need to have contact with other people. Or if you're the sort of person who doesn't want contact with other people, if you're someone who is uh, more internal, if you're someone who prefers alone, private time, then you need that. You need private time, you know, just to be by yourself, to read, to listen to music, to have an art, to have a hobby. If you're somebody who needs to have other people, then you need time to be around other people, to go places, to go to movies with them, to do other things. And you can't let yourself get into a situation where your magical and spiritual practice and work becomes the same closed room that any other job does in this crazy, pell-mell, mixed-up, topsy-turvy Western culture idea of what work is supposed to be about because it doesn't work out. It just doesn't work out. And here's one of the main reasons that it doesn't work out. You start to hate it. You start to dislike it. You start to regret it. You start to be hostile towards it. And that is no place to be doing magical and spiritual work from. That is a very bad place to be doing magical and spiritual work from. It's going to bleed over. And I'm not talking about some sort of tainting of energy weirdness. I mean, it's just literally going to bleed over. Your quality of work's going to go down. And here's another thing. When you're in this kind of a business, you quickly become, well, I have no other way of putting this, a life raft for people. There are people in serious trouble. They've got problems with love. They've got problems with their health. They've got problems with their lives. They've got problems with their relationships that aren't love relationships. They've got problems with their prosperity, with their work, with their money. And they are coming to you to get help and remediation. And they will come to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, if you let them. And eventually what happens is they will flounder that life raft, and that's you. They'll drown you. You cannot carry all of them on you forever without having some time to yourself. That is why it is so important for the magical and spiritual worker who is in this business to have clear, set, defined hours. Just like any other professional, like the lawyer, like the doctor, like anyone else. And you must adhere to those hours. You must have time that the day ends. When you can just sit and eat a meal in peace. When you can sit and talk to your lover, your mate, your partner, your friend, whoever, your dog, your cat. 
yourself. You must be able to recharge. Because if you can't do those things, you're just a candle that's burning down, 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 down. Until very soon there'll be nothing left of that candle. You'll just burn out. You'll start not caring about these clients. They'll just be another damn job to you. Oh, here's another person and they need work and I'll do the work and I'll do it right. And I'll get my money because I'm all just working for the weekend. Working for those two weeks in the summer when we all get to go to Wyoming and Bear Spot. See, you've got to have time for yourself. You have to have something else in your life. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whether it's reading a book, listening to music, working on a model railroad, painting, anything. It doesn't have to be what I would enjoy. It has to be what you enjoy. It has to be time off. You have to be able to separate that out because if you don't, then pretty soon you start to become resentful of the client. You become resentful of their needs. You become resentful of what they want, what they need, and how they need it. You stop caring, you see. Uh, we're having some folks say that they can't hear me in the chat room. Can anyone that can hear me please say something? Pop a little notice up. I know there are a bunch of you there. I see you all. If you can hear my voice, say something back. Because it says I'm connected here. Okay, good. I'm so sorry that Cargo Hook cannot hear me. Hopefully, maybe they'll be able to refresh and hear me. Whew. Scares me when that happens because you all know how blog talk goes. So, once again, you've got to have something else. Make time for yourself. Don't become a victim of the trap where you regard something as important as magical and spiritual work as just another job, just another paycheck, and the resentment and the tiredness build up until every client that comes in the door is just another hassle to be dealt with so that they can remain people and you can remain people. Please, please remember, you've got, as Isaac Hayes said, to do your thing. And you've got to do your thing because it's your thing. Thank you. 
just read what it says here. Uh, Jean von Belmond, I think I said that right, is a well-known uh, courier and man about town. Well, that doesn't tell us much now, does it? Anyway, here to say a few words about our sponsors, the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jean von Belmond. Hello, my lovelies. It is I, Jean von Belmont, here to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of Forestville, California. Did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? Oh, yes, and you should, darlings. You really should. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Who am I talking about, my loves? Why I'm talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Cave Road, Forestville, California. Why not stop on by and give them a visit? You'll love it. It is exquisite there, darlings. In the springtime, the roses are in bloom everywhere. The grass is so green. The wind is so gentle, and the soft click-clack, click-clack of the little trains as they go around and around the beautiful little train set, an amazement for the child, not only within, but the children without. And then, my darlings, why not stop by the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church for a few moments of quiet prayer on meditation, and afterwards, Well, then, my loves, you can go inside. That's right, right inside the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Cover Road, Forestville, California, and see products from all around the world, thousands and thousands of them that you can purchase right there. That's right, darlings. If you can't make it, why not visit them online at luckymojo.com and sit in the privacy of your own home, snuggled up with someone you love, and look through all their fabulous products and order and have them sent right to your door. Oh, my sweets, I'm talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Cave Road, Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. When you go, tell them that Jean von Belmont sent you. Oh, yes. I don't care, Johnny. I don't, I don't care if he's a friend of your cousin's. 
Okay, your cousin is not paying the bills. He, I don't. Where did you even fucking get that? I don't. What, what do you mean the lights? Fl- oh shit! Hi. Yes. Well, we're back. And uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the incredible, the fantastic Jean Van Belmond, uh, with a few words from our good sponsors, our hopefully forgiving sponsors here. Uh, on the show from the Lucky Mojo uh, Curio Company in Forestville, California, in English. Up next, a brand new segment. That's right, folks. Up next, a brand new segment of the show. A little something I call... Divination and you. That's right. Divination and you. Each and every week, we're going to be talking about a different sort of divination, a different kind of divination, a different art for foreseeing the future, the past, and the present. This week, well, you had to know this is where I was going to start. This week, I'm just going to be sitting down with a, a deck of 52 cards, or... Do I have 52 cards here, or is it a deck of 51? I keep hearing your concerns about my happiness. But all that thought you're giving me is conscience again. If I were walking in your shoes, I wouldn't be wearing them. Yes, 
see that in the chat? Did you see that? Cargo Hook came real close to blowing it. I mean, I thought we were going to topple the new victor. You know, king of the hill. I thought it was going to go down because, you know, Cargo Hook had said at the beginning that it was the Oak Ridge Boys with deck of 51. But then, out of nowhere, Cargo Hook came back, got it absolutely right. That was the Statler Brothers. The Statler Brothers with flowers on the wall. And that leads us into a brand new segment. That's right, a brand new segment. A little segment we call... I've got to play this again. I, I, they worked all week making this, man. It cost millions of dollars. Hold on. A little segment we call... Divination and you. How cool is that? With the thunder and the echo and the thing and the... That, that, that... That's a Count Goulash made that for us. I didn't even know that Count Goulash knew how to work a board. He did that. He did that. He brought the he brought the 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 thunder noise. He he brought it himself. He had it. Real to real. I haven't seen real to real in years. I just I love that. I love that. That's it, it's it's got to do it one more time. Divination and you. So cool. That's right. A new segment of the show, boys and girls. Ladies and gentlemen, Damon and Heron. Monsieur and Madame. That's right. Divination and you. Each and every week, we're going to take a little bit of time in the show to talk about a different form of divination. And to inaugurate, of course, we had to talk about reading with playing cards. Why do we have to talk about it? Well, because I have this book, you know, a deck of spells. Anyway. Reading with playing cards in hoodoo is perhaps one of the most traditional forms of uh, divination and card reading in particular that you find inside of the tradition of hoodoo and conjure. Um, and you need not simply use the 52-card poker deck. Uh, people use the 32-card euchre deck, uh, and other people use the 48-card Spanish deck. Now, that adds some variation into it, because if you're not using the 52 uh standard poker deck, what we call a poker deck, then there are some numbers that won't come up. You know, you simply, you don't have one through six in one. You don't have this through that in another. Uh, But all of these kinds of cards, basically in these various forms of reading, have two types of cards that are read with, either the numbered cards or the pip cards, which we all know those, ace, through 10, or the court or face cards, which generally in the English uh, pattern, the English deck, which is modeled off the French pattern, is a jack or knave and a queen and a king. 
Now, there are a number of different methods used to read playing cards in this manner. And there are many, many, many different layouts or spreads that are used. And you will find a great deal of variance and variation between people that read playing cards. What's interesting about it is you will all be able to, with a little study and a little observation, be able to start grouping these people into certain categories. You'll be able to say, ah, now this person obviously is coming out of a place where they are culturally have been raised with or influenced by uh, primarily uh, Hispanic culture because they'll primarily read with the Spanish deck and they'll do these kinds of layouts or these kinds of runs of cards with these kinds of interpretation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you watch how someone reads cards, playing cards, you'll quickly start to be able to understand a little bit about them, where they come from, who influenced them, how they were brought up, or what culture they're from. Basically, this normally works in a fairly similar fashion. The reader will have the person who wishes to be read for shuffle and cut the cards. Now, they may then ask you to pick a stack of the cuts, or they may take the whole deck back after it's been cut and put back together. They may also cut out of the deck. A lot of us who are familiar with playing card games and people who read the tarot are used to people dealing off the top of the deck. This is not always true with playing cards. In playing card readings, sometimes cards will be taken, as I said before, from one of a set of three to nine cut sets of the deck, or they may be dealt from the bottom, or they may be dealt out of the middle of the deck. Or the deck may be cut for each card, meaning the deck is cut and then the topmost card of the bottom remaining pile is picked out or a set of them is picked out and laid out. Once they're laid out, each of the cards has a traditional divinatory meaning, although with playing cards you will find a great deal of difference. So in other words, you will find some people who assign a particular card sort of a, oh, it's not a very good card, and other people who see it as a neutral card, and then a third set of people who see it as a positive card. And I think, again, if you start noticing and watching, you'll find that that will tell you something about the reader and where they come from and who has influenced them. Because a playing card really has no top or bottom anymore. In the very, very old days, some of them did, particularly the illustrated court or face cards. They actually did have tops and bottoms. The characters depicted on those cards were full-bodied. They had feet. But nowadays, they're... Uh, duplicated, they're doubled, and so because of that, there really are no cards that have a top or a bottom, 
And because of that, generally in traditional playing card readings, you will not find reversed or inversed meanings such as you might find in uh, tarot readings. There has been a somewhat more modern development in which people will mark the face of the cards to indicate a up or down positive or negative meaning to the card. Although this, as I have said, is a pretty modern invention and where it's going to go, I can't really tell you. It's not the way I was taught to read playing cards. And with the fullness of time, we'll see where that goes and how that develops. Myself, solely, I don't prefer that. I prefer to read playing cards the way I was taught and the way most of those who I have taught to were taught to read playing cards, which is that the further interpretation of cards is read by their relationship to other cards, meaning this is a very positive card, but it's sitting next to a very negative card, and therefore one of them modifies the other one. Either the positive card is making the negative card less negative, or the negative card is making the positive card less positive, or the negative card is giving a warning of something hidden within the positivity or the positive card is giving a hope of something positive within the negativity of the negative card. But as I say, there are some people nowadays who have started marking their cards to show an up or a down. This to me is very interesting because from a technical standpoint alone, particularly when dealing with the American deck, which is based off of the English pattern, which is based off the French pattern, you will detect that you actually can, outside of the court cards, find a, quote, up or down on all the cards except the diamonds. Because a spade has a shape. It has an up and it has a down. And so if you have a three of spades and two of them are facing up and one is facing down, then the card is up. If you reverse it, then only one is facing up. So technically, you can read an up or a down on those cards without needing to mark your cards on their face, except for the diamonds. And with the diamonds, you'll be unable to do that except with the seven, because its pattern, how the seven pips are laid out, is not a symmetrical pattern. I was taught that this tells one that the diamonds have a secondary nature, that they are special outside of the others, but to each their own. And as I have said, you will find once you start learning about reading playing cards that there are dozens, if not hundreds, of different interpretations, methods, manners, layouts, spreads, methods of cutting, and, of course, even decks that are used. However, the thing that I want to leave you with about these playing cards is this. Playing cards in and of themselves are somewhat difficult to read. 
they do not have the same sort of evocative imagery that, oh, say, uh, tarot cards do, or even Lenormand cards or oracle cards have. They are kind of dry when you get right down to it. You know, there's a number, and there's uh, that many pips in a shape, hearts, diamonds, clubs. And you must keep a lot of information in your head and a lot of knowledge on you to read them effectively. But with time, you do start to find that they, like all cards, tell a kind of a story <clears throat> in their layout and how they move from one to other. Also, the importance when reading playing cards of looking at the mathematical permutations, if you will, of them. Meaning, oh, this card is a three, and then the next card's a four, the next card's a five, tells you something, that something is rising, something is gathering, it's going from a three all the way up. Generally, you will find that hearts represent the emotions and romantic issues. Diamonds generally uh, relate to money, uh, but they also relate to messages. Clubs relate to methods of work and work as well as other people. And spades generally relate to unfortunate or ill-fortuned matters, pains, trials, troubles, tears. And generally, again, they ascend, meaning that, oh, the three of spades is not as bad as the ten of spades. The three of hearts is not as good as the ten of hearts. And then the court cards often are, in playing cards, meant to represent people, explicit people, rather than generalized people or conceptual people. They represent the person you're reading for, people in their lives, children, uh, wives, husbands, parents, etc. Again, with the king, generally representing men of equal age or older, the queen representing women of equal age or older, and the jack representing younger people of either age. There is not much I can tell you about reading playing cards outside of this general overview because there are so many ways to read them. And there are a number of very, very, very good books out there in the world, some of them, many of them, dating from the early part of the previous century, uh, the early part of the 20th century, and the latter part of the 19th century. And I encourage you to take a little time this week and go out and look at those regular playing cards. They are beautiful in themselves, easy to transport, uh, ubiquitous. They're almost anywhere. You can get them in any store almost uh, everywhere, gas stations, grocery stores, everywhere. And they are very functional, and I myself enjoy reading them. Our segment of Divination and You comes from not only our own knowledge, but also from the Readers and Root Workers Organization, 
AIR, the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers at readersandrootworkers.org. Why not stop by and take a look at that? And we thank them for its inclusion in the show each and every week. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen. Eh, not so much the kitchen. Kind of, kind of going to go to the medicine cabinet. We're going to have something that's definitely going to help. Oh, yeah, help you when you've got the sniffles, help you when you got the cough, help you when you've got some spiritual trouble. Why, it's even pretty good for the uh, sick bed blues. Take a stone 
you can prove my bones. You take stone and you can prove my bones. You take stone and you can prove my bones. But you sure gon' miss me when I'm dead and gone. I've been a ocean, I've been across the sea. Been a ocean, I've been across the sea. Been a ocean, I've been across the sea. I ain't find nobody would feel my sympathy. Oh, you know, you're gonna need something to help you if you got that. And. Let me tell you, Cargo Hook is smoking tonight. I mean, snap, no pause, boom, got it. That was indeed Skip James with Sick Bed Blues. So we're going to have to send all the cookies off to Cargo Hook this week. Well, half a cookie goes to Christy XP from earlier in the show. Tonight... In the kitchen, as it were, we're going to be talking about don't laugh, like I tell all my clients, don't laugh, I'm serious, Vicks VapoRub. Vicks VapoRub is an ointment, and it's a mentholated topical cream. It's primarily, the manufacturer says that it is for use on the chest and throat for cough suppression, primarily due to the common cold. It can also be used on muscles and joints for minor aches and pains. And it is also used to treat uh, mosquito bites. Primarily, people use it, applying it immediately before uh, sleep. Uh, now, uh, Vicks VapoRub was originally manufactured uh, by a family-owned company, that would be the Richardson Vicks Company, based in Greensboro, North Carolina. And it was sold to Procter & Gamble in the 80s and now is simply known as Vicks. Uh, it is also manufactured and packaged in India and Mexico and in the German-speaking areas of the world, except for Switzerland, where it is sold under the name Wick, Wick Vaporab. And uh, it is a very, very popular product, originally developed uh, from a formula in 1894 by Lunsford Richardson. Uh, he created the salve for his children uh, after traveling to France. And it relates to a number of different types of salves that we see commonly used in and around hoodoo and conjure because, well, of their use in the South. And this uh, includes things like uh, Watkins Carbopetrosalve, and uh, Watkins menthol, a camphor salve, uh, which come in small tins and large tins as well. 
And also we see, oh, mentholated cough suppressant longisms, such as Fisherman's Friend and other things of this nature. And these relate to the fact that salves and ointments and liniments are popular and have been popular not only in the South, but in the world, in America, and of course have entered into hoodoo because of this. And they include things like, oh, a bag balm ointment, which is uh, utilized in dairy barns, a black and white ointment, very popular. Uh, but tonight we're just going to talk about Vicks. Okay. Now, why Vicks? Well, obviously it works very well as a cough and congestion suppressant. In fact, a study at Penn State showed that it worked uh, better than simply giving people a petroleum rub placebo. Uh, so in other words, if you give somebody just a, you know, here's just petroleum jelly as a placebo, it doesn't work, right? So we know that Vicks actually has something to it. Its active ingredients are camphor, uh, which is a cough suppressant and topical analgesic, uh, eucalyptus, which is a cough suppressant, and menthol, which is also a cough suppressant and topical analgesic. Uh, in fact, in Asia, it's sold as a Ayurvedic medicine, primarily in India. But what about hoodoo? As the kid would say if he were here, and I'm not sure where he is this week, why, why hoodoo? Well, because camphor is a purifying curio in hoodoo. Camphor helps to purify, and it helps with psychic benefits. And eucalyptus itself, also, again, that active ingredient there, camphor and eucalyptus, Eucalyptus wards off evil. It repels enemies, and it is effective against troublesome spirits. So VIX, here we have VIX for all sorts of things. VIX has camphor in it, which we know is a purifier, magical purifier. And it has eucalyptus, which we know is a spiritual purifier, protector, drives away evil influences. You will find that VIX is used for everything. Okay? I mean, people will tell you, oh, you put VIX on your feet if you've got, uh, you know, uh, fungal growth on your foot. Okay? Uh, oh, you use VIX for mosquito bites. You use VIX for chiggers. You use VIX for this. You use VIX for that. And ask around, and you'll start to find out when you talk to your African-American and your Hispanic friends, you'll find out that, oh, they swear by Vicks, uh, primarily because their grandmama swore by Vicks. And grandmama used Vicks for everything, okay? It gets on everything, on your chest, under your nose, on your feet, on your hands, at night, etc., 
But as the kid says, what does he got to do with hoodoo? What it's got to do with hoodoo is what we already said. Because its two main ingredients are eucalyptus and camphor, Vicks is an effective spiritual protector and spiritual cleanser. It is also used to drive away evil influence from wicked folks and interfering spirits. I kid you not. How would we do this? Well, you could take a little bit of Vicks, and again, you don't want to take a lot, a little bit of Vicks onto your fingers and put it on the four posts, the four bedposts of your bed to spiritually protect your bed. Vicks can be used, a little dab on the finger again, a dab will do you, to be, can be used to make a X or cross mark onto doors and windows to seal them spiritually and protect them. A little bit of VIX can be put onto a light bulb before it is lit so that once lit, as it heats up, the VIX, the camphor, the menthol, the eucalyptus evaporate into the atmosphere like you would an incense to spiritually fumigate or as some folk insist on saying these days, smudge an area, again, to drive away evil influence. Vicks can be used in place of camphor and eucalyptus in many recipes, except really those recipes where you are supposed to be ingesting it, and I'm not sure why you'd be ingesting camphor to begin with. You should be careful about ingesting too much eucalyptus essential as well. Vix can be placed onto a small piece of tin foil, shiny side up, along with a pinch of salt, and then this added or placed into the four corners of a room to help spiritually seal and protect a room. Vix can be used to be placed on the outside of a cloth, a bag, or anything else, again, to add that spiritual potency to it. Here's another interesting and good thing about VIX. It is culturally undetectable as being magic. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that if you dress yourself up in who knows what different kinds of who do this, who do that, that you make yourself, you buy someplace else, and it smells like, oh, who knows what. It doesn't necessarily smell unpleasant, but it has a particular smell to it. And then you go to work or around other people and they smell it on you, they will detect that that's different. They don't know what that scent is. They might think it's perfume. They might think it's cologne. They might think it's something else. They'll probably ask you about that. Oh, where did you get that? Ba 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 ba. And then you have to come up with some sort of creative answer. If you go to work and smell like Vicks, the only thing people think is, oh, they must have a cough. Oh, I hope they're not coming down with a cold. Nobody thinks you're wearing Vicks because your boss is an asshole and you need some protection from him. Or there's some sort of guy or gal in the office who's do up to some no good doing some work, and you know what I mean by work, in the office place, and you need to be spiritually protected when you get near them. Everybody just smells the Vicks and knows what it is. Vicks, they think you've got a cold. Or maybe you're worried about getting a cold. Or maybe you had uh, a 
sore muscle in your arm or your chest or your back. They don't think, oh, you're up to something. You're doing something. You're doing something weird. You're doing something unusual. So that's another benefit of using VIX. Here's a third benefit of using VIX. It's at the drugstore. It's in the grocery store. It's right there. I mean, literally, you, you can just go down there and get VIX. It's no big deal. E- easy done. In fact, you probably already have some in your bathroom. Probably already are there. It will lose its potency after some time, but normally it takes a long time for VIX to lose its potency. VIX can also be added to steaming water, hot water that is steaming, and it will, of course, mm, because it's in a petroleum base, it will, of course, quote, melt in the hot water and release itself into the steam. And you can also use that to spiritually cleanse a room, house, area, or items that you pass over that steam that has that camphor and eucalyptus in it. So please this week consider common everyday Vicks VapoRub. It's good for what ails you, not just colds and coughs, but also it's a good and fine spiritual protector. Our information for this In the Kitchen segment each week comes not only from our own knowledge, but also from Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by our own dear Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her so very much for its inclusion in the show each and every week. Well, folks, it's been uh, it's been fun. Once again, if you want the card of the week back, you know, we cut it for time. But if you want it back, send in those emails, and if we get enough of them, we'll put the card of the week back in with the lucky numbers. I uh, hope you enjoyed some of our new and amazing setups here, new segment, Divination and You, and, of course, Miss Loretta's brand new intro music. That's a Cab Calloway, by the way. And uh, it's been fun. So come and join us next week. We'll be here, same time, same place. I'd like to go on. There's so much more we could talk about, but everybody else is gone. I heard them all take off with that weird French cat. What's his name? John Blonde Mond Consond. Don't know where they are now. It's kind of dark here. Kind of overcast night. The clouds are rolling in. Might get some storms. Just sitting here by myself in the studio. I mean, this is it. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, It is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, But it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And go to Texarkana And don't back to Fort Worth Come on down to Dallas to call the kitty Coming through the territory in Kansas City And Kansas City, St. Louis And St. Louis, Chicago I'm on my way to the door
Coca or Wagner or Kansas, Kansas City. So dear you, then I changed cars and jumped in Sinclair.